When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Everybody, welcome once again to the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined by Chris Calicut. Raj Geary is standing by. David Penzer might be joining us today. We're working to make that happen. But we're going to talk about SmackDown Live for August 8th, 2017. Chris, how are you doing this morning? I am doing well, Glenn. Hope you are, my friend. I'm doing well, but I'll tell you, I wish I was doing as well as John Cena was last night. I like some of what he was having when he opened the show. When's the last time we saw Cena in such a good and playful mood coming to the ring? He was uh, he was straight giddy, was he not? Uh, yeah. Now, but two, this is kind of like self-aware John Cena again. He's dancing to his own theme because, you know, the Toronto crowd provided a little bit of a remix, like some crowds like to do. Yeah. So uh, I, I like self-aware Cena. It's kinda, he's kind of fun. No, it was great, man. Um, Toronto, great place to have uh, WWE two nights in a row. Fantastic. Seeing him uh, up there in Canada. And uh, I thought the crowd was really good last night for the most part. So Cena opens the show, has a promo off with Baron Corbin. What did you make of Cena incorporating on the fly? And perhaps only Cena could do this. Uh, you know, the signs in, in the crowd that say Corbin's a dumpster fire, uh, calling him skinny fat. I mean, when's the last Ooh. time we saw, you know, essentially the, the internet troll comments come out of the, come out of the mouth of a WWE superstar? Well, if, if anybody can do it, I guess John Cena would be able to to give him a little bit of chain length to, to do a, do something like that on the fly. Um, I doubt he got any heat backstage for uh, pulling, oh, oh, pulling a little improv because, to me, it made it work. Corbin's reaction was, was great. Um, and it, they actually seemed to work okay together, I thought, because um, Cena sort of led the way and Corbin had some decent comebacks, and he didn't exactly sound like he was reading from a cue card this time. So, you know. Yeah, so the match, Daniel Bryan came out, set the match for SummerSlam. Um, my challenge in, in getting into this is that it's tough to go toe-to-toe with Cena in a, in a promo face-off, and I don't think Corbin is there yet. Oh, no. I, I think they should have given him – one more feud to, to kind of bring him to this level. I think it's a little soon for him, both inside the ring and on the mic. But Cena, though, man, if anyone could carry it for both of them, it's him. And I think that last night, 
seeing him energized was an absolutely fantastic way to kick off the show. Yeah, and I think this is the purpose of, of this feud. Um, as I alluded to last week, John Cena's record at SummerSlam is not exemplary. Um, and I think this is a chance to where you put Corbin over. Um, and, and even if Cena loses this match somehow, then I think that sets up Corbin for the cash-in later in the night. Um, or, oh, or think- Yeah, either that or he'll cash in before, and then Cena gets number 17 later that night against Corbin. I still think there's going to be some championship constituency here um, oh. at, at SummerSlam. I think there's I think there's going to be a belt around John Cena's waist, possibly at SummerSlam if they decide to go that way. Wait, how, wait, how do you see that happening? Like, oh, hey, Raj. Um, <laughs> the but, voice uh, of reason chimes in from nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> now, I, I was saying that uh, Corbin could possibly cash in before his match with Cena um, at SummerSlam. And then Cena versus Corbin at SummerSlam could now be for the championship somehow. I, I don't see that. I think if they wanted to go that route, they would have just made it Cena versus Jinder. Um, I mean, they could have Corbin cash in at SummerSlam, but uh, yeah, they would have just done Cena versus Jinder. Plus, you know, Cena's going to be taken off soon. Yeah. Uh, so. As Wrestling Inc. broke the news, Cena's headed to Monday Night Raw. Yeah, Cena's headed to Raw. Huh? I, 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 that's. That's feasible. So, I, like I said, the, the most, I guess, reasonable thing for this feud is to put Corbin over on his way to Raw. Yeah, and, that, that would make sense. But it is Cena, and I don't think they see Corbin at Cena's level. And, you know, their history with what they do with guys that have the money in the bank briefcase, which, also they, which they job incessantly uh, until they cash in. So uh, I think my guess is Cena probably wins and goes to raw with a head of steam and feuds with, you know, feuds with whoever. Now I'm working on getting David Penzer on. We're having some technical issues. I think that's him. So I'll be right back. Okay. Raj coming in to kill Chris's dreams and then hopping him <laughs> off the mic immediately. He, st- he stole Matt Morgan's gimmick for a minute. So, yeah, you know, that's something we got to ask Matt about Monday when you're going to be sitting in. Uh, Chris mm. on Monday Night Raw is for if you're someone like Corbin last night, how do you not corpse? How do you keep a straight face when all that's going on? And you've got John frickin' Cena tossing those insults at you, you know, that you weren't prepared for, that weren't cleared ahead of time. And you're supposed to sit there and be like, yeah, I'm mean, you know? No, the, Corbin actually, I thought, handled it really well. And he's starting to come into his own a little bit. Um, granted, he's not on Cena's level on the mic. Um, he's improved drastically in the ring. Um, again, is he at Cena's level? No. Are many people in the world? No. Uh, but I think this is a great stepping stone for Corbin to get a big spotlight because if they're putting you with Cena, that means they at least believe in you to, to a pretty solid extent. Yeah. So in Toronto last night, which explains the second match or the second segment, rather the Usos versus Ty Dillinger and Sami Zayn. So good showcase to get some hometown favorites with Dillinger and Zane there. And I granted Zane's from Montreal, um, but you know, it's pretty close to Toronto folks. It's Canada, Canada. They're just happy. They're just happy to be there and see their own represented. Um, mm-hmm. The Usos coming out to their new theme, which I did download and analyze. Unfortunately, mm. did you listen to the new Usos theme? Uh, I, I like it. Um, and I, I've not dissected it to the extent that you have, I don't think, because I have not downloaded it and put it on repeat. Uh, however, I, I do like that they um, rap to their own theme, and it seems kind of repetitive, but it still gives it 
a nice little touch, a little personal touch. Well, that's the thing. I was like, oh, they're rapping to their own theme. The Usos did a rap song to their theme, and I downloaded it. And it's interesting you mentioned the word repetition, because it's essentially the same, like, four lines just repeated for five minutes. It's not so, a rap song. They just say the same thing again and again. So the, um, the loop strikes again, as we alluded yes. to last week as well. So. Is John Cena and Enzo Amore the only two guys? You know, maybe R-Truth, they get to do a rap theme and it's actually a song. I mean, uh, I don't know if you've actually listened to the whole version of Soft as a Sin, but there's verses to that thing, man. Like, that goes on and on and on. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. It, it, but, you know, Cena's is, what, 10 years old, 15 years old now? Um, still fantastic. R-Truth, just as old. Um, yeah. But... But again, that that's back when the uh, the music was pretty original all over, all over the board. Besides a few of the the Jim Johnson uh, canned rock songs, just for your jobbers and whatnot. But remember what a big deal it was when they'd release the compilation, and it was like, now I got the themes, now I've got the song, now I can listen to the entire Shane McMahon "Here Comes the Money" theme. And no, get it on get it on eight track. Wait a minute, that wasn't yeah. that far back. So. <laughs> I remember when the first album came out. Uh, what was it, the first wrestling album? And back when you could get the uh, when you get the uh, you know the Hulk Hogan Real American theme, and then you got like mm-hmm. Jimmy Hart singing stuff. That was something else. I knew a friend who had that on LP. You know, back in the day. Nice. Um, so, th- what'd you think of the match with the Usos and Ty and Sammy last night? Again, it was a showcase for the Usos to get some heat um, because they beat the hometown guys or the home country guys, I should say. I yeah. like seeing Dillinger and Zane team up. I think they make a really fun team. I'd like to see them do that more often. Uh, but just from a storyline perspective, it didn't do a whole lot. But then New Day comes out. New Day comes and, out. In red. And I, I, I would get distracted by Big E bouncing around in a, uh, in a <laughs> red jumpsuit as well. So Yeah. It's a good match, you know. It was what it was. Uh, curious what in the hell they're doing with either of these guys. Oh, absolutely. I don't know, I don't know if it was just for uh, you know the events in Canada, but Sami Zayn does have a new T-shirt, so maybe there is uh, some sort of push waiting in the wings, or they just wanted to make a quick buck off that Canadian crowd. Who knows, uh, folks? Hey guys, I'm back. Yeah. Hey, hey David, are you on? Yeah. Could you hear me? Hey. We yeah. Got you. Well, let's... I'm, I'm new to all this stuff. <laughs> no worries, man. Uh, so, Raj, why don't you introduce our guest? Let's take a break from SmackDown. Yeah, so we got former WCW TNA. Uh, actually, you're back with TNA, correct? Ring announcer uh, David Penzer. You're, you're back with uh, Global Force? Yes, sir. I think it, it was last time I was there was Impact Wrestling. Now I believe it's called Global Force Wrestling. Gotcha. And uh, you went back in, I, I believe it was April, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so how, how's it going so far? It's good, man. It's, um, you know, it's just a, a whole crew trying to rebuild a brand. Uh, everybody gets along. Everybody, uh, there's not any tension. Uh, just, you know, production, creative, and talent all working hard to uh, crank out, uh, you know, some, some television product and try to build the thing back up again. So it's actually, it's actually, quite, it's actually quite refreshing, to be honest with you. Yeah, what what changes are you seeing since uh, since Dixie Carter since your last run there with Dixie Carter in charge? Well, I was I, I have been gone for a while, um, so I didn't I wasn't around really for the end of of, of her run. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, 
I, I, don't, I don't, as far as changes, I don't know. There's just no egos. There's not that there was egos before, but uh, just, just seems like everybody's on the same page. No tension. Um, you know, just trying to tell stories and, uh, and, and uh, give, you know, give good, some good action. And, and, you know, there's a, seems to be an effort on building, rebuilding the, uh, the uh, knockouts and, and some of the stuff that, uh, you know, kind of put them on the map back in the day. Yeah. And you were with WCW for a, a good chunk, what, eight years, right? The whole Monday Night Wars, yes, sir. Yeah, that that had to be a wild time. Uh, it was wild. Uh, and then there was the wrestling part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, was, uh, how was it working with Eric Bischoff? I really didn't have a lot of interaction with Eric Bischoff. As you can figure, he could probably had a lot. He definitely had a lot, uh, you know, bigger fish to fry. Um you know, Eric was, uh, Eric was, you know, he, he wasn't the most, I think he'd admit that he's not, wasn't the, you know, he's not one of those, Hey, shake your hand, patch on the back kind of bosses. Um, uh, he w- once told me I worked hard and Tony, uh, he had, he had gone to bat for me on something and I thanked him for it. And he said, you deserve it. You worked hard. You work hard. And Tony Schiavone was there and Tony said, said, that's the biggest compliment Eric Bischoff <laughs> could give you is that you work hard. Not that you do a good job or, you know, just to work. <laughs> so, hey, you know what? I, I, it's, it's, it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't management 101, but I took it. And, uh, you know, uh, I had, you know, other people I reported directly to, Craig Leathers and Tony. And uh, so, you know, there were more pat on the back. Hey, you know, you know, if you need anything, let me know. But Eric was Eric. And, um, uh, you know, look. I, looking back at all the stuff that he was dealing with, uh, I don't know that I'd be patchy on the back either. Uh, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Now you got involved uh, storyline wise with, you know, in an angle with Chris Jericho on Monday Nitro where we, that went on for a while. Whose idea was that? And, and was, uh, how, how was it kind of going from being just a ring announcer to kind of participating? I would say that was 75% Chris Jericho idea. 20% me and 5% Terry Taylor. Uh, it was, um, we started on Saturday night, which uh, the, the powers that be really didn't oversee a lot because it ended up being like the C show, uh, you know, it had the night show thunder and then Saturday night, whereas Saturday night in the old days was the A show. It, it sort of became a kind of an afterthought just because there was so much content to produce. And uh, so Chris wanted to, you know, kind of, give his character a little bit of a heel turn. And uh, as you can see now, uh, you know, all these years later, the guy is creative as hell when it comes to his character and his, uh, his personality and, um, and just doesn't uh, continues to do amazing things. And uh, that cracked me up actually. And uh, we were just driving down the road and he, you know, we started talking about it and Terry Taylor signed off on it, but it was mostly his idea. And, you know, we just, I, I gave a little bit of input and, yeah, it was it was fun. It was it was it was kind of fun to have the attention turned around uh, for a brief second. You know, didn't 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 you know that that wasn't something that I definitely needed. You know, a lot, but it was fun for a little while. Yeah, and and as far as actively getting involved, um, do you ever do anything physical? I know there was a thing with Kurt Angle in TNA, but other than that, did you ever do anything physical? He killed me. Um, yeah. <laughs> To the, uh, yeah, I did a thing with the XWF invasion of uh, of of uh, 
of Puerto Rico. Long after the XWF project uh, was done, we did a, a Puerto Rican invasion for their anniversary shows. And uh, I did a thing where I rolled around with a referee and uh, Jimmy Hart and a manager. It was like a tag team kind of thing. And we just kind of rolled around and and hit each other a little bit. And I blew up in about 40 seconds. So, uh, that was... <laughs> That was that was really all, you know. There was uh, always a couple of things, you know. I think the giant back in the day picked me up, and you know, by the lapel, and you know, little stuff like that. But that was the only big stuff I've really done. Were were uh, were the thing with Kurt uh, killing me, and then uh, and the rolling around with the Puerto Rican referee where my check bounced. So I ended up doing it for free. <laughs> so what what happened with Kurt? Hey, but, I got, but I but I but I got I got an all expense paid trip to Puerto Rico. Sorry. Nice, nice. Oh, <laughs> the shining it, star of the Caribbean. Oh boy. Yeah, I've heard that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, what exactly happened with Kurt? Was that kind of planned out, or did he did he miss and accidentally hit you? Uh, what happened there? I can't give away too much because I've been building it up on my own podcast. But uh, <laughs> me, me and Jeff Jarrett are going to talk about it in detail next time we're at uh, at the uh, global tapings. Uh, but. Um, yeah, he. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was written out. It was planned. Um, we didn't. I was, I was. Uh, I had a, a a company back in the day, and I, I still have it. It's a uh, seasonal now. And uh, we, uh, I was at a trade show in Orlando actually that day, and I got to the TV like an hour before where I normally would be there all day for the production meeting and all that, and found out. So we really didn't have time to go through it, and so it's probably you know one of the reasons. Uh, yeah, Kurt. Look, Kurt lays stuff in, and you know, uh, you know, most of the athletes that he competes again, you know, they they just take it because uh, you know they're athletes. And I'm a five foot six non-athletic sob who was who was uh, pushing you know forty something at the time, and and uh, you know, so uh, it was uh, you know, I looked like the elephant man for about a week and a half uh, on both sides of my face, but uh, look. Uh, Whatever, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? And I got, and I got a bonus for it. So, <laughs> nice. Did you uh, talk to Kurt much after that? Did he, uh, did he apologize or anything? Yeah, I mean, we still joke about it when we see him. I do stuff um, with the Legends of Wrestling, which is uh, we did a, a big show in Shea Stadium, and we do uh, different kind of events all over uh, the country uh, for sports franchises and radio uh, stations and stuff like that. I don't know if you heard of it. There's a website called the legends of wrestling.com, but um, uh, Brian knobs is involved. And, uh, but uh, uh, we would use until before Kurt went back to WWE, we would use Kurt for appearances and stuff. And we'd always, you know, we joke about it and stuff like that. But uh, uh, he's a, he's a super nice guy and he didn't certainly didn't mean to do it. Didn't do it on purpose. Uh, and it was just one of those things where, you know, look, he lays stuff in and, uh, and he laid it in a little bit and just caught me in the wrong spot and my face exploded. Jeez. <laughs> now, when, uh, when WCW went under, uh, what was the feeling backstage before that happened? Like, could, did you guys see it coming before it was announced that WWF was going to buy it? Because I know there were the, few, the rumors of Eric, B- oh, so sorry, Eric Bischoff buying it uh, with Fusion. Um, what was it like backstage during that period? The, the last night show or just the whole kind of leading up to it? Just leading up to it. 
yeah, you know, you're hoping for the best. Uh, you know, you're running so hard. And back then I was working in the office too and uh, system talent relations. I was sitting in on booking meetings as a junior uh, uh, booking person and, uh, you know, working uh, for J- uh, John Laurinaitis and talent relations with Terry Taylor. And uh, so, you know, just <laughs> – we just kind of doing our jobs, hoping for the best. We didn't know. And, uh, you know, there wasn't, you know, the internet wasn't like it is now. And, uh, you know, you couldn't turn on your cell phone and get instant access. So it, it almost, you know, it, it almost was like a, a different world where, you know, you didn't get immediate feedback uh, like you do now. Social media, Twitter, everything's immediate. And so we just kind of, we didn't have a choice. We just, uh, you know, kind of went about our business and hope for the best, but there was definitely an, underlying uh sense of uh of uh you know that that things weren't looking good but again it was, it was a totally different world you know hey you you got, got up and you read usa today to get the news so i hate to date myself i sound like an old fart but i am an old fart i guess <laughs> and what about that last nitro what was what was that like that had to have been surreal uh, that was pretty that was pretty bittersweet i'm not gonna lie i've never uh I've never drank alcohol before a show, but if I was ever going to do that, uh, I would uh, probably have had a couple of shots. Um, I did, you know, me on a personal level, I decided I was, I, I, I took it almost as an audition. I was going to go out there and just work my ass off and excuse my French and, and, and show, you know, uh, the, the WWE people, WWF people, what I could do and, and hope for the best. And, uh, if not, I knew I, I went out giving it my all. And, uh, but, you know, it was pretty somber. It was, it was, you know, we went from, uh, you know, it wasn't an immediate, you know, high to the, to the lowest of lows, but it was a roller coaster ride over a period of years, as you know, that, uh, uh, that, uh, that, 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 that was pretty somber. And, um, you know, Hey, I, when I got back from the, when I got done after the, the show, Shane McMahon actually pulled me aside and said, Hey, you do a really good job out there. So I figured at least, you know, at least that work, that part worked. And, uh, you know, I had discussions with WWF at the time um, about a couple different times for different stuff, but just never worked out uh, for various and sundry reasons. But, um, uh, but you know, the fact that, you know, I went out there, gave it my all, and uh, the son of the, 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 the boss, you know, pu- pulled me aside. I thought that was, uh, was, you know, at least I achieved my goal. I went out there and showed him something. It is wild to think of the, the, the three years between 98 to 2001 and just how hot WCW was. And you'd see Goldberg t-shirts and NWO t-shirts everywhere. And then to be out of business three years later, it's, it's just it's still just, you know, insane to think about. When it goes cold, it could go cold quick. I'll tell you what, man, it happened. We know one, one day we're getting, you know, 4.0 ratings and selling out 20,000, uh, uh, see buildings every Monday night and, you know, you, you blink an eye and uh, the ratings are 2.0 and or 2.5. And, you know, we, we got 2000 people in the audience for a combined uh, nitro and thunder to, uh, mar- marathon taping where, you know, I'm, you know, basically uh, holding them hostage to try to keep them there, you know, for, for the thunder part. So uh, it was a, uh, it was an interesting experience looking back and it was a hell of a ride while, while it happened for sure. Uh, it didn't have the greatest outcome, but it was, it was, you know, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah. I don't have any, I certainly don't have any regrets. Uh, you know, obviously I wish that it had a different ending and, um, 
you know, you look back and you could say what 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 might have been if you know WCW were still around. You know, because uh, right. I was sort of kind of fast tracked, you know, sort of halfway fast tracked in you know you know my way. So it, it's it's fun. It'd be fun to, to look back and say, hey, if WCW was around right now, I'd be like a a senior VP or something, you know. But a, who knows? And B, uh, it's not around. So, you know, doesn't matter. Right. And uh, one of the most memorable wrestling moments, I think, you know, it might be in history, is when Hulk Hogan turned heel at Bash at the Beach and the NWO was formed. What was it like, you know, when that happened? I was ducking and dodging, man. I spent that was that was that was the beginning of my ducking and dodging tour of uh, trying to duck and dodge from the from the garbage and the the, the stuff that they were throwing at the ring. Somebody just posted that video on Facebook, so I I, I looked at him. You know, I I looked at the the not the interview with Mean Gene, which was classic, but the just the the turn when he came to the ring and and uh, dropped the leg a few times on uh, on Savage. And uh, man, it was a uh, you didn't know what was going to happen. You know, he hulks this legendary baby face character who, you know, was getting a lukewarm reception in WCW. And, and then you got the, the brilliant angle I thought with Hall and Nash coming in under the guise of a real war being sent by, you know, uh, you know, billionaire, you know, by, uh, by, by the WWE, you know, with the ski playing off the scheme gene stuff. And, and which I thought was a brilliant angle. And, uh, uh, you know, so you just uh, uh, you just never you didn't know. You know, it was a huge gamble. I, I did a for people that might be interested in, in how that all came about. Uh, I did a uh, two part uh, interview uh, podcast with Kevin Sullivan, and we went in depth on the on the Hulk Hogan stuff and what it took to get him to turn uh, uh, heel. By the way, sitting ringside with David Penzer, you could uh, you could. Uh, Check it out, but um, gotta gotta plug myself. Um, sorry, I was gonna and, start uh, bringing that up. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, but it worked. I mean, you know, obviously it worked, and the crowd the crowd almost loved to hate him. You know, from the very beginning, they loved to hate him, and then he came out with the Hollywood Hogan character, and they had the the, the very unique uh, promos for the day, and it was just uh, it was something totally new and different, and and. Uh, it was super cool. But as far as being there that night, you know, we, we were just trying to, we were just trying to stay dry. Really. <laughs> what was it? What was the reaction like backstage? Were people like, cause I know they kept the secret from all the boys. Whereas everyone just shocked uh, backstage at, at what just happened. Um, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, I think that, you know, we, we saw, I think, I, I think that, everybody kind of saw that it was leading there and it was more of, is he actually going to do it? You know, more when he walked out and did it, I think it was a more of, wow, they actually were able to convince him to do it more than, Oh my God, he, he Hulk Hogan turned heel. Uh, I think there was a sense in the locker room and uh, with the, with the behind the scenes that, that, that was the way that they wanted it to go. Um, I actually think it was more, more of a, of, of the question was if Hulk didn't do it, who was going to be the third guy? Right. Right, Frank. Uh, I think, you know, that, that was more of the question. So uh, no, I don't think the locker room was shocked. I think that it was more of a, uh, you know, uh, what I remember was everybody's high five and everybody thought it went fantastic. You know, the, the reaction of the crowd unprompted, uh, you know, you know, loading the ring with, uh, with, with, with garbage and stuff. And while you never want that for, you know, the safety of the people on the other side, it was, a it was an honest, uh, reaction to the people, uh, 
that, you know, and that's what you want. That's what, that's what draws money when people uh, have, whether it's they're cheering or yelling or throwing stuff or crying or in shock when the undertaker got beat, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, where you remember where you were. Uh, right. So, you know, I think there's a lot of high fiving for the moment and, uh, and, uh, and then six and seven years later, uh, not so much, but at that moment, everybody's having a good time. Right. And uh, you mentioned your your podcast, Sitting Ringside with David Penzer. Um, already really entertaining stuff. I, I listened to your interview with Kevin Sullivan, which was great. Um, what made you decide to to start a podcast? You know, every, I, everybody was doing it, and and you know, people were calling me and, and asking me to be on their podcast. And some people were saying, "Hey, you know, I'm actually was surprised. You're actually semi, you know, entertaining, telling stories and stuff." And I was I was kind of surprised myself because. Uh, uh, you know, but, uh, I, I, some, uh, there was actually a, a fan who contacted me, uh, a guy named Mike Freeland, who, uh, who's an associate producer of the show. And we do a segment sometimes on the show called WCW flashback, where he throws out something happened in WCW. And we talk about my memories of it, sort of, sort of what, like what we're doing with you guys. But, um, and, uh, he contacted me and said, dude, I, you know, I enjoy listening to you on whatever, uh, whatever podcast fill in the blank. And, uh, I think you should do one. And I'm like, I don't know anything about it. And, you know, uh, you know, could you make money? Is it, is it just a hobby? And, uh, so the answer is pretty much, it's just a hobby until you make money and not very many people make money. So it's pretty much just a hobby. But, uh, uh, I, I, I just decided to try it. And, uh, there's a company here, uh, called radio influence. Um, they were uh, the guys who own it here in Tampa were uh, were big into the uh, uh, AM sports radio and FM sports radio uh, here in the market. And they decided to start a podcast company and they wanted to join up and this just sort of happened. And uh, I'm having fun with it. And, uh, you know, knock on wood, it's uh, we're, we're, I think uh, everybody's been surprised with, with the with the downloads. And I don't know how that all works. And, you know, they told me how many people ever are downloading it. And I'm like, you're lying you know but uh but you know I, I i'm just i'm just enjoying it and having a good time and trying to find creative ways to uh to entertain the fans and if they like it cool and if they don't i urge them to tell me what they don't like about it and uh at uh you could uh, hit me up at twitter at david penzer all one word uh or there's uh at penzer ringside is the uh the city ringside twitter uh App. What do you call it? Twitter handle? Is that what it's called? Yeah, a yeah. handle? Yeah, the Twitter handle. And uh, when, I, when I was a kid, they had CB radios and you had a handle. So <laughs> that's, that's why that, that, and now I'm really dating myself, God. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they'd say, what's your handle? So that's why it didn't sound right. But yeah, at Penzer Ringside <laughs> or at David Penzer. And uh, it hit me up and uh, uh, check out the podcast. Uh, we're trying We're trying hard to put out an entertaining product like you guys are and like a lot of people are out there. Yeah, and your latest episode, you got our our own uh, Monday Night Raw reviewer Matt Morgan on there. Um, anything uh, was there? What was interesting in that interview with Matt? You know, Matt, a couple of things that really stunned me that I didn't know about uh, Matt, and you know, the fact that um, Dixie Carter had 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 reached out to to him and his wife, and uh, when they were trying to uh, to have a baby, and flew them up to. Nashville and hooked them up with their doctors when they were, I guess, going through the same thing, you know, you, 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 in this world of social media, especially you tend to, you know, people 
tend to, you know, you put negative stuff and, you know, it tends to stick. And I don't know. Uh, Dixie was nothing but nice to me when I was at uh, TNA, but that was a long time ago. And, you know, you read stuff about uh, what happened at the end and, you know, and you, 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 you know, then you, you think you have like a, a view of somebody and then you hear a guy, you know, pouring his heart out about, you know, trying to him and his wife desperately trying to get pregnant and this lady. Uh, who just owns the happens to own a, a business that he that you work for, uh, you know, takes it upon herself to fly you up and, and hook you up with her doctors. I uh, just showed me a totally different side of Dixie than the public sees. And uh, I, I thought that was really interesting. And, and also the fact that he was just uh, as soon as his son was born, he just decided he would never wanted to, you know, be without his son in a 24 hour period and just completely walked away from professional wrestling and the money and the roar of the crowd. Uh, you don't hear that hardly ever. Uh, most people have to walk away kicking and screaming, uh, get pushed away. So, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, a couple of the, the stories when he was going, you know, up in the Ohio Valley, but the, the two things that really stood out for me were the non-wrestling stuff that, you know, the, you know, his, him and his wife's plight to get pregnant and having their baby and him walking away, I thought was, uh, was riveting quite frankly. Yeah, me, me and me and Matt got in a, a, a bit of a tiff this past <laughs> Monday night over wrestler pay. How would you say a uh, ring announcer pay is in, in pro yeah. wrestling? I never had a contract. I was yeah, it was funny. I was talking. I was I was kidding with Bob Ryder about that uh, the other day at, uh, when I was at uh, Impact. They were working on a contract for somebody. I don't know who it was. And I was like, you know, I never had a contract. Because in WCW, I was an employee. XWF, I was an employee. Uh, TNA, I was independent contractor and. You know, all the other places I worked, there was never a contract. So uh, all those years, I never, I, I was uh, never had a contract. I just thought that was interesting. But um, it, it uh, you know, it, it depends. You know, there's not. I'll, I'll tell you what. There's, there's, there's not a lot uh, of money on the independent scene because you know, and I, and I get it because you know, you're promoting an independent show and you want to, uh, you know, you have a budget of say five thousand dollars and you want to get. You know, wrestler A is a thousand dollars. You know, that's got a headline plus a plane ticket, a hotel, and you want to get some other, you know, you know, minor guys, and you got to get a ring and referees, and you know, you might want to say, hey, I'd love to get a Justin Roberts or a David Penzer or a Gary Capetta, but you know, I'm running out of money, and you know, the guy, you know, the guy at the radio station offered to ring announce for me for free. You know, so uh, you know, I get it. You know, so you know. If, if anybody ever asked me to do an indie show, you know, it's humbling that they would choose to, 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 you know, spend that, that fraction of money to have me there. That's, that doesn't happen all that often for the reasons I just stated. Um, but, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, WCW, I was an employee, so it was a little different of a pay structure, uh, but I had uh, uh, insurance and, uh, 401k and all that stuff. And thank God I was an employee because it got me severance pay for almost yeah. a year for when the company went out of business, which I don't know what I would have done without. So, um, you know, it wasn't the, it wasn't the, you know, the half million dollars is $350,000 that everybody else was, was making, you know, it seemed to be making in the, uh, at the time minimum, but, uh, but it was, it was enough to, uh, live a nice life and, uh, and take care of my family. Uh, and, uh, TNA, I mean, uh, at the time, you know, it was a, uh, on a per shot basis and, you know, it's, you know, it's very fair. So it's certainly, it's certainly, it's not, certainly not wrestler money, but I'm not taking bumps. And I know, certainly don't expect to be getting wrestler money if I'm not taking bumps. I, I, I think the one thing about me is, I mean, 
you know, I mean, you could, uh, I think I'm humble, but I may not be, I may be an egotistical SOB, but I know my place on the, on the, on the, on the, uh, you know, on the, on the card. I know my place on the, on the show. And, uh, you know, my, my place is not to be the face of the product and my, my place is not to, you know, be the star. It's to entertain the fans and announce the, the matches. And, uh, I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm just happy to be there for the ride, man. All right. Well, well, that's awesome. Well, your your podcast, I urge everybody to check it out. Sitting Ringside with David Penzer. You can find it on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, uh, RadioInfluence.com. Uh, and new episodes are released every Monday, right? Yes, every Monday morning. And uh, uh, we are working on confirming our, who our guests will be for this week. And uh, as soon as I know, I will, uh, as soon as I have it confirmed, I will uh, hit it up on my Twitter handle at David Penzer and, and at and at Penzer Ringside. All right. Well, so, thank, uh, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Sorry, I couldn't figure out the uh, the technology thing. Uh, you know, it's a uh, thank God, thank God, thank God at this age that we have teenage kids because without that we wouldn't know how to use our cell phone. Right, right, and and you're not the first one to have problems with this format. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> ha- hashtag hashtag old people problem. Right, yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, take care, man. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks, guys. Anytime. Bye. All right, bye. So uh, this Monday night on the Wrestling Inc. podcast, be sure to tune in when uh, Chris, sitting in for Raj and I, are just going to confront Matt Morgan with the alleged salaries of everyone on Monday Night Raw. Absolutely. Superstar by superstar and get his reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Raj, I wanted to ask you, and it was great. Uh, thanks again to David Penzer for coming on the podcast today. So, Raj, Wrestling Inc. broke the story about John Cena. Have you heard anything about any other moves post-SummerSlam between brands? I have not. Um, yeah, I, I mean, they haven't. My guess is if if they are doing it, which it sounds like they are, uh, they'll probably announce it um, on the you know the monday after SummerSlam, so yeah. and and then it'll be done you know the week the week after that so uh yeah i don't know i mean there's a lot of guys that could already use uh there's a lot of people that could be sent back because they were doing way better like charlotte was way better on raw yeah um, you know but i yeah as far as top guys i don't know it's, it's you know obviously seen as going to raw so that's a big void to fill so yeah, I saw him advertised uh, for the Raw house show in Fresno. Aside from that, though, it's the current Raw roster being advertised. Yeah, after SummerSlam, he's it was pretty much all Raw live events except for when they go to China, and yeah. that's a SmackDown show. He'll be on that. He's missing Raw that that night because of it. But other than that, he's uh, he's a Raw guy. So does that mean they send over Roman Reigns or uh, someone like that? I could I could almost see that. Um, because you probably want to keep Roman and Cena separated if you want to do an eventual WrestleMania match with them. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting. But Cena's the only one right now that you know you can kind of bank on. Yeah. And uh, how were Raw ratings this week? Raw did they did one of their best ratings since April. Their their best ratings since April, since the nice. week after the the brand extension. Now. We're talking about 3.2 million viewers. Uh, in you know, for where they are now, it's it's a good number. <laughs> Obviously, uh, over time, it ha- it hasn't been. There's been a big drop every year. Um, but you know, uh, things are looking up from May. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and June. So, yeah. I mean, I think the product's a little better right now. I mean, there was a lot of running in place before, and, and there still is some now. Obviously, but. Um, it's more interesting right now, and I think it's reflecting in the ratings a little. 
and yeah. you and you have you don't have basketball or, or much competition uh so yeah nfl season is about to begin ladies and gentlemen yeah raw usually takes a 10 percent hit so uh you know if it if it does that where you're looking at you know them being in the 2.8 you know, 2.7 million range uh yeah this fall so it was interesting to bring it back to SmackDown last night. They kept it going uh, with the Fashion Files parody, and they did another Twin Peaks parody. Um, I think just riding the wave. I don't know if you guys saw, but man, did that make the rounds last week on the internet with that first mm-hmm. Twin Peaks parody they did. So, you know, th- these guys are just so freaking funny and fantastic and entertaining. Just all the superlatives, give them all to them. Um, just the, the little nuances that they do. There's very few people that I think could do it. And who knew that Ascension could be comedic geniuses? They've, they, <laughs> they, they've played it off really well in these little vignettes. Yeah. No, I thought it was great last night. And, uh, I mean, they've re- woven so many David Lynch references. I mean, they're, they're going back to the well trying to get some more, uh, you know, virality. Out of that, I thought it was nice having a little payoff with Arn Anderson about who killed uh, Telly the Horse. And um, yes, it looks like there's no slowing down from these fashion files segment. Rush, what do you think they do with this? So if we've got New Day and the Usos, are they just going to keep them in these vignettes? Or are we actually going to see the fashion police wrestle again? Oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I don't know if they're going to have they. So Fandango's found now, right? Is that yeah. the, kind yes. of the, the thing? So aliens. it was alien. So yeah. Um, and but uh, he stayed for the wardrobe guys just to let yes. you know yeah i mean if if you were gonna you know have the reveal be that it was a tag team you're kind of debuting them in a comedic setting you know what i mean so yeah harper and rowan wouldn't have really fit um but yeah i mean i, th- I think less is more sometimes with the fashion files i don't think it needs to be on every week and uh because you don't want it to get old that quickly so um hey, there's still cop shows left to parody man they haven't done 20 yeah, but you know have them wrestle here you know a couple weeks and then the weeks yeah. they don't wrestle do the do the fashion files and i think you'll get more longevity out of it yeah i i bet you there's a fashion files at SummerSlam, and they're not on the card otherwise probably yeah yeah i mean there's you got to look at how many matches they got for SummerSlam right now i mean it's it's already I mean, like 14 or so isn't it yeah and it's a six-hour show but you know they're probably gonna add the hardies and so with the if they add that you got one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve i got oh, let me see one two three four five six seven eight nine ten 11. i got 11. i don't okay. know if we're missing one so with the hardies that would be 12. Okay. and um Oh, no, and then they were going to add Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose uh, against, you know, Cesar and, Se- and Sheamus. So it's 13. That's a ton of matches. I, I doubt they're going to add anything else. Yeah. So I have to give them credit last night. We got two women's segments on SmackDown Live. Um, first, Charlotte Flair versus Lana. So are they just sort of running in place with Charlotte right now? I mean, it seems like they don't have anything for her. And with Lana, it seems like they're trying to do a storyline with those backstage segments with Tamina. But, uh, I mean, do you think there's any momentum with either of them, Raj? Uh, no, there's not. And it, it, it wouldn't take long to get it. You know, it's just putting yeah. Charlotte back in the in the main event scene. And they might do it. You know, once Carmella cashes in, it could be just they're just, you know, having Charlotte running in place until Carmella cashes in. 
and uh, and then goes after Carmella. I, I don't think she'd do it right away. I think they'd go with Naomi and Carmella for a while. But, uh, you know, that seems like a logical step. So, yeah. So it, it does. I don't think that it's anything like they've given up on Charlotte or anything like that. I think she's just in a holding pattern uh, until she can kind of get into that world title picture. Yeah. She is, so miscast, as, she is miscast as a baby face, though. Yeah. She was so yeah. great as a heel. A couple things for me, guys. They went from Arn Anderson, totally, you know, quote unquote Blanchard, to Charlotte Flair, like in sequence. I thought that was a nice touch. <laughs> um, production wise, uh, I don't know how many other people caught that, but I'm like, okay, the little golf clap to the production team there for writing it in that order. Um, but Charlotte sort of played around with Lana during this match. Yeah. She gave the stigma that she knew she was better. She just messed around with her. She was laughing the whole time. I thought that's exactly the way Charlotte should have been presented in this match. But it's also getting Lana over as a sympathetic babyface because I guess she's trying hard. And that's the thing, right? She, we know she's not good. She says she's, like, she admits she's not that good. Um, so that's just kind of turned into her character. So uh, I think that's, that's getting her over as a babyface with Tamina at the same time. So what's up? I mean, oh, sorry. What's up um, post SummerSlam with the pay-per-views? So I'm seeing No Mercy, which is a raw brand pay-per-view, goes on sale, I think, today or tomorrow. And that's going to be in Los Angeles in October. Is there a SmackDown pay-per-view in September? Or is it going to be Hell in a Cell, the next SmackDown pay-per-view, in later October? Yeah, I think they got um, – let me check our events section if we got that in there. Um, yeah, there was. there's one of those, like, no-name – pay-per-views you know the generic like ones seattle everyone's speculating seattle on september or mid-september but it's just uh, speculation yeah i mean i mean i'm sure they'll definitely have one hold on let's see here we got um doo -doo -doo. yeah no mercy is oh that's raw yeah. uh yeah yeah i guess they haven't announced one yet so hell in a cell would be yeah the, yeah i'm sure i think hell in no, a cell maybe, was announced maybe, for detroit right Right. But, you know, maybe they're not going to have one because if they were going to, you'd think tickets would have gone on sale by now. Yeah. Because Hell in a Cell is only two weeks after No Mercy. And that's September 24th. It was If it was before September 24th, that's just a little over, you know, a month and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, they would have announced something. So, yeah, maybe they are skipping a SmackDown pay-per-view in, in September. Yeah. Well, in Wrestling Inc. did have the story a couple weeks ago, right, Raj, that they're cutting back on pay-per-view events. Yeah. This year. And I, I think that's a good idea because some of these pay-per-views just feel like uh, just time-filling fodder. Like they just feel like okay. they have to do it. So that's why we're doing it. And more on the SmackDown side because they don't have uh, the same depth of talent at the top as, as Raw. Yeah. So speaking of time-filling fodder, last night extended segment, and it was good, uh, with Kevin Owens, AJ, and Shane McMahon. Um so yeah what, what what do you think i mean raj are you invested in this and how do you think it's going to go down at SummerSlam with shane refereeing the match uh, i think it's leading to something with shane and kevin owens yeah. uh, i don't know if it's one-on-one -on -one or something at survivor series there's been you know some speculation that it might be a, a shane mcmahon team against a kevin owens team um so yeah i mean if Shane's going to work with someone, he's already done AJ. So I think that's the next best thing. So, yeah. Uh, what did you think of this last night, Chris? 
No, I thought this was one of the, the better segments on the show, honestly, because it, it actually gave some intensity between everybody involved. And normally I hate guys who throw the video packages on the Titan Tron, but this time <laughs> it made sense. And it's like everybody versus Shane, which is kind of weird. So it's like AJ and, and Kevin Owens were on the same page in a sense that, that we saw the Shane screwing all, all the different guys and his matches that he's officiated before. So it, it gave a sense of animosity between all three. So we know something probably semi big is going to happen at the match and probably, you know, go into the whole, uh, like, like Raj said, KO and, and Shane thing at, at a future date. But I like that Kevin scooted out of the way and, and AJ made uh, and put a kick on Shane. So that was a, a good little tension setter as well. So I thought this was, was good overall. Yeah, it's interesting last night that the high points of the show were all the promos and the segments and not the wrestling. Um, yeah, man, SummerSlam. That's, that's what makes me worry, Raj, when we talk about them skipping a SmackDown pay-per-view is I feel like SmackDown, unless they just strap in and try and tell some week-to-week TV storylines, I'm afraid there's just going to be no momentum for you know six weeks. Right. Yeah, I know. I agree. And so you got that, then you got only, so you got two pay-per-views in October. So you got one SmackDown pay-per-view in October, uh, then November, you got Survivor Series. So that's a, both Mm -hmm. brands. So we're looking at a maximum of two more SmackDown pay-per-views this year, if they do one in December, unless they do another uh, um, co-branded one, if they turn TLC and they co actually, never mind. TLC is already announced as a raw pay-per-view. So Mm. Yeah, God, yeah I mean, only be one I, I think you're, you're already seeing SmackDown move down to I, I relegated to where it was 10 years ago, the last time they did the brand split, where it's a clear B show as opposed to them trying to keep them even. Yeah, that's where I could see something weird happening with uh, a shakeup post SummerSlam where they just essentially raid everyone good on SmackDown, yeah. to Raw, and then SmackDown becomes this weird show headlined by Jinder Mahal and Mojo Raleigh for the rest of the year you know yeah yeah i could see nakamura staying um yeah the guys that ben sees as the top guys are clearly roman cena brock um you know braun and they're all on raw and i will he sacrifice one of those to go to smackdown when he doesn't see that as the a show uh i don't see it happening it's probably a trade-off with Randy Orton, I think, because I still think Vince sees him in a very positive light and as a big draw, um, you know, because he gets put in these random matches and will probably beat Rusev at SummerSlam. I don't think he sees Randy Orton in the same... same. Well, maybe not as the as... couple as those, but, I mean, he's been there for, you know, forever and has always been pretty close to the top of the card if he's around. Right, yeah. But I, I think he's gotten stale on SmackDown, too. Uh, so... I mean, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I I know in the past, whenever they've done these drafts and roster shakeups, when SmackDown really needed top stars, instead you still get you see Raw get stronger and SmackDown get even weaker. Yeah. Um, so no, I think Randy's going to be the the Bret Hart of the Thursday Night Thunder that SmackDown becomes if they uh, raid all the talent and move the good guys over to Raw. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think? You know, I just had the weirdest thought the other night. Do you think they'll ever do a cross-brand women's-only pay-per-view? Maybe if Mae Young gets some hot ratings, then maybe, you know, once a year they'll do a women's-only event for, the, for both uh, rosters. You, I think you would have to include the NXT roster, too. Yeah. Um, 
and just make it like a tournament style like the Mae Young Classic and just do it with your current talent and just try to showcase some people. Um, but I, I don't think that makes a ton of sense with with what they have right now with the depth of, of the main roster talent um, and then the cupboard being slightly bare in NXT right now too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, depending on how many people they sign out of this Mae Young Classic, I think that would be a cool event, but I don't foresee it happening anytime in the immediate future. Yeah, I don't. I just don't see that drawing. You know, to do it at a, to do it at an arena uh, where you're talking about, you know, needing to get five to ten thousand people as opposed to, you know, the the hundreds you get at full sale. Um, They'd have to do it the same weekend as one of the big four. They have to like the the night before Survivor Series or something, because I think you get the right crowd and it would sell out in a heartbeat. Well, they they've already booked those for takeovers yeah, going forward. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't see that happening. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, last night we did get a second women's segment, Carmella versus Naomi. Now this was interesting, Carmella winning, um, Ellsworth returns. Uh, so you think it's going to happen, Raj, SummerSlam? The Carmella cash-in and she uh, wins the belt off either Natalia or Naomi? Yeah, I mean, I see one of the cash-ins happening and I think the one that makes most sense would probably be Carmella at this point. Uh, you know, I, I just don't think Naomi uh, has too many interesting feuds right now. Uh, and I think Carmella as champion and Naomi chasing is a lot more interesting for her. So, uh, yeah, I think I, I, that's what I would bet. Yeah, Chris, what'd you think of the match last night? And guys, uh, I got to jump on this. Sorry, I got to yeah. jump on this GFW conference call. So, uh, we'll have highlights from that call on Wrestling Inc. And I'll see you guys. I won't be around next week, but I'll see you guys after SummerSlam. Sounds good, man. Take Sounds care, good. Rush. Thanks, Josh. No, this, uh, the match last night I thought was fine. Um, Carmel is still kind of a step behind some of the girls in the ring, but, uh, you know, she, she showed pretty well last night. Naomi, obviously an athletic freak. So, um, and her offense is actually, <laughs> I mean, just like ridiculously athletic. Yes. Um, but she, um, has been varying up her offense too, which is kind of nice. Like, you know, doing new wrinkles that we've not seen from her before. So match was fine. Um, I still think uh, I like what Raj said with Naomi chasing, having the baby face chasing would be a little bit better, but I wish they would have saved Ellsworth for SummerSlam. Like just, <laughs> just if you're going to make it a moment, don't tease it on a random SmackDown. Just keep him off until um, SummerSlam and just make this big to do just like he helped her win the briefcase, put people in an uproar again for the third time. Uh, and then just sort of, Use that continuity um, that you, that story you've already told. Continue telling that story, um, and then eventually let Carmella win it on her own. Um, so maybe uh, Natty will convince him to put him in uh, the shark cage with Enzo. You know, mm. mm -hmm. <laughs> it was a little yeah. weird, sort of similar stipulations last night uh, to that. Um, but I, I thought that backstage segment was great. Uh, I thought uh, Natalia's looking good, but yeah, I'm worried that she's going to be you know a five minute women's champ. Um, coming out of SummerSlam. Got the interview with Nakamura. He's coming along, you know. No, th this was good. This yeah. was good because I was scared to death when they said exclusive interview with Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm like, oh, great. Another talking segment for Shinsuke yeah. because that's what's gotten him over, right? Right? No. Um, so, charming, you know. If well, absolutely. But in, in short stints. Yeah. So what they did is they did a pre-tape with a nice, beautiful video package distracting us from broken English. Yeah. Even though his English was, was really good and he made good short points during this interview. 
um, which was definitely his best, I think, since uh, his, his call-up, but that's because they produced it to make him sound good. Like, they actually used their strengths to hide his weaknesses, yeah. um, which I thought was very, very good on the production side. Yeah, that was great. So, yeah, I thought that was uh, solid last night, and coming out of that, we had the grudge match, Jinder versus Randy. The rematch, Randy won. Uh, no Singh brothers though, so I guess that's uh, makes Jinder still sort of keep his edge. But what did you think of that last night? You think this was the end of that feud? Uh, then we had Rusev attacking Randy as we went to credits. No, I love the the very ending there. The last two seconds, it felt like a Nitro ending. I thought, uh, you know, as Joshua said, "Oh, we're out of time, folks. We'll see you next week." Um, you know, one of those type of fade to black type moments. I'll stare black, but uh, we'll watch him tonight on NXT. So. But I thought the match was, I thought this match was probably their best um, in their series because it was a good one-on-one match with no Singh brothers. And I guess their thinking is no Singh brothers. That makes Mahal a little weaker, a little more vulnerable. Um, So that's why they put Randy over clean, which I hate, hate, hate champs losing clean. But um, if anybody's going to do it, I guess Randy Orton's one of the guys that they'll do it with. So because they have to make Randy look strong against Rusev, who just got beat clean by John Cena. I don't understand the logic behind it, but uh, I thought the match itself was probably the best in their series. Yeah, no, I thought it was good. Um, just from here, you know, we, we got to move on from this. I feel like this has gone on so, so long. Yep, but I did love the Rusev pretty much took Randy's head off at the ramp as we went off the air. Um, it gave us a little tease for next week. It it made Rusev look smart. It made him look vicious. Um, I thought that that was a nice nice touch to to end the show. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that being said, what did you think of SmackDown? Thought it was a solid show. Um, did it blow me away? No, but um, it, it moved some things along. It didn't really run in place as much as raw did. I didn't think I thought it moved some things along a little better, um, heading into the pay-per-view. So I'll give it a B B minus probably. Yeah. I thought it was solid, man, but, uh, I'm looking forward to, to once we get done with SummerSlam and they can really start telling stories. And even if there's not going to be a SmackDown pay-per-view in a while, um, after SummerSlam, I think that if, as long as they can get in a rhythm and not mm-hmm. be beholden to, uh, a pay-per-view coming up, maybe they'll be able to do something really interesting. That and and SmackDown's done this too, where they don't have a pay-per-view for six or eight weeks. They'll do their own little mini pay-per-view as an episode of SmackDown. They've done that a couple times so far, so I wouldn't mind seeing that. So you, you never know what what they might come up with. So um, it's uh, it, it SmackDown just seems so much more of an overall enjoyable show. I guess more of the two-hour thing than the three-hour thing, but. Uh, it just seems to go by much, much faster, just yes. in general. Absolutely, man. So uh, Monday night, back in this podcast, going to have mm-hmm. myself, Mr. Chris Calicut, Mr. Matt Morgan, going to talk WWE superstar salaries until Matt's head explodes. <laughs> Seriously, folks, I don't say this often, but if you haven't watched Monday's podcast, watch Monday's podcast. Give me a timestamp because unfortunately I missed it too. But uh, I think it was about uh, probably about 20 minutes in, maybe 10, 15 minutes in. Just yeah. uh, I was asking a question about when Bailey's injured, how does that work when she's sitting it out? Is she collecting a full paycheck? Mm-hmm. Is there, you know, hazard pay? 
How does that work? And it just goes from there, folks. It's it's absolutely fantastic. And Matt exposes the biz, gives some background per when he was uh, nice. on the main roster. So yeah, it's good stuff. So uh, thanks everyone for uh, joining in, hanging tight today. And uh, we'll be back here Monday on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Uh, Chris, anything you want to plug before we uh, take it home here? You can just find me on Twitter at Knockdown underscore radio. It's on the bottom third there for our video viewers. And hang out with me tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern for the NXT live viewing party. Cool, guys. So until next time, folks, I'm Glenn Rubenstein, and we'll see you back here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care.